Hey, everyone, and welcome to this fireside chat. I'm joined here with the vice president of operations for LoadSmart, Jen Nicholson, uh, where we're going to talk about some sustainability and also ongoing, uh, you know, activity in the shipper community and, and some of the, you know, reactions and how people have modified their their game plans uh, in the COVID pandemic era. So, Jim, thank you so much for joining me here today. Uh, you know, it's been a wild ride over the last year. So here we are still in a virtual environment yeah. <laughs> in this virtual fireplace, uh, you know, that we're, we're sitting next to yet again. Uh, but, you know, a lot's changed and people are starting to make plans for the future. Uh, you know, and sustainability has, of course, become, you know, a, a very hot button topic. Uh, you know, we've changed administrations. Uh, we've changed a lot the way that we're thinking about how we manage our businesses. Uh, so I think a great way to start this off is just let's talk about uh, sustainability and how, uh, you know, different companies are sustained or changing their strategies to align with this. Absolutely, Zach. Well, first and foremost, pleasure uh, to be with you. Uh, before we jump into it, I think it's worth noting that uh, the, the work that yourself and, and the FreightWaves team has done really over the last 14 months of this crazy volatility and uncertainty has definitely helped uh uh, the logistics community really be able to navigate through this this unprecedented time. So uh, we at LoadSmart have been, been big fans of uh, Zach Strickland, and so uh, thanks for having me on. But uh, yeah, jumping into the the topic at hand here, sustainability. Um, it's it's great that that shippers are making public commitments uh, based on carbon reductions um, and actually setting timelines and deadlines against that. Uh, and some might think that, you know, a, a, a deadline or a timeline of achieving a certain end result uh, by, let's say, 2030 uh, is so far off. Uh, but in reality, that's kind of, it is going to come quick. Uh, and we're definitely seeing shippers and shippers that we partner with uh, making those preparations. Right. And, you know, before going into it, I think what's 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 important to understand, at least how we think about it, uh, is sustainability doesn't necessarily have to be a siloed. Uh, effort, right? I think sustainability needs to be combined with uh, some of these value creation, value add, uh, and also cost mitigation strategies that that shippers can deploy uh, to really hit all of these these buckets uh, with a, a streamlined solution. Um, so, two things that I think are are, are key here uh, that we've seen shippers in terms of building uh, towards this is number one is more visibility and control. Uh, so uh, a, a common trend that we've, we've seen and, and work with our shippers on uh, is where historically most of this procurement was outsourced to, uh, let's say, 3PLs, 4PLs, uh, taking more of that over the, over the last couple of years in-house. Uh, what does that do? It gives more uh, control to, to the shipper. Uh, what does control offer? I mean, in, increased visibility and control uh, definitely allows more optimization for sustainability for uh, for cost and just for efficiency. And then uh, the other side of things, uh, definitely coming from a te the technology company in LoadSmart, uh, is shippers are looking at their technology. There's there's dozens and dozens of different TMSs in the marketplace. Uh, when we think of a key uh, area to drive sustainability, mode optimization is is a core tenant in our strategy that uh, we, we see tons of potential in working to, to drive these sustainability uh, results, but um, the TMSs are not, you know, they're not consistent. Some are better than others with mode optimization. None are great, uh, for, again, from a mode op optimization standpoint, but the friction of changing from these TMSs to TMSs uh, is quite a bit, especially for large organizations. And uh, oftentimes there's an opportunity to level up and upgrade within their existing systems to be able to support some of these 
um, these mode optimization opportunities and uh, specifically through uh, tech stack with integrations. Um, so I definitely you know, have to plug LoadSmart in terms of no cost uh, pre-built. We can turn on instantaneously. Uh, and now it's more we've, we've launched last year our, our, our new modes. Uh, is really building this this future vision to being able to wire directly into the TMSs to optimize um, both for shippers, large enterprise shippers, but also the underserved uh, shipper community uh, amongst SMB space. So uh, we see a ton of potential here, but this is in definitely has been in motion, and uh, shippers have committed uh, the sustainability efforts, uh, but also how do they build their organizations to be able to support that uh, and hit those those deadlines that they're shooting to. Yeah, I think you're making a good point here. I, I know that, you know, in my generation, there's been kind of this stigma around sustainability. You know, it's kind of like you're kind of like, you know, it's almost become politicized to the point where it's it's got this kind of bad vibe or juju around it where you have to be, you know, you know, some sort of like, you know, activist to be involved in sustainability. But I mean, the definition of sustainability itself is to continue to thrive. You know, you're basically going to exist into the future. And a lot of the practices of sustainability, such as mode optimization, like you said, only help grow your business. So, I mean, it, it, it's like you said, the uh, efficiencies of, you know, operating, if you can if you can operate more efficiently and more sustainably, that's going to show up in your bottom line over time. And I'd like to kind of, you know, explore this idea of you know, as you are, you know, when you're talking about mode optimization, you're really talking about, you know, the most efficient way to move freight uh, and the most, you know, you're creating the most value uh, when you're moving uh, this freight. And, you know, what what kind of strategies do you think persist in that that are, you know, a little bit more specific? Uh, like what can a shipper start to see uh, when they are getting mode optimization? Uh, do you think that it's going to show up, you know, in some sort of bottom line and immediately over time? Oh, what kind of savings do you think that they could find? Absolutely, I, I think I think there is an immediate impact, right? Um, so it's it's not something that uh, you're going to be able to hit your sustainability number in ten years from now. So why, right? That would just push push these efforts off. But uh, from a, a pure value creation, also think about this. You know better than anyone. Uh, tender rejections above twenty five percent for however long it's going to continue. Uh, throughout you know this this quarter mostly into the year think about capacity access to capacity right so there's a huge value creation play um, that's also tied to cost right and in cost mitigation right so I, I totally agree in terms of uh, balancing these out but the the sustainability side is real and if you think about uh, in its most simplistic form is converting uh, potentially over the road to a more efficient intermodal route uh, you know, that that has a big impact, but that's at the very basic level. Um, and, you know, a, a, tr a train can essentially offset 200 plus truckloads. Uh, but that's, again, basic. So when you think about uh, what is mode of optimization, what's available to shippers currently, uh, we would argue that different TMSs have different capabilities. None are great from a mode optimization standpoint. I think, uh, you know, optimization sometimes can be extremely expensive. It's a more broad, full-scale, uh, accessible to the large, uh, that, that have large supply chains, maybe potentially more sophisticated. Uh, it's not as accessible to those that don't have those resources. Uh, and it also does, isn't accessible when you need it the most, right? So it's, it's more of a strategy planning 
but what about a load by load basis, right? I mean, to be able to scour uh, and pull in from the hooks that you know we we can bring in from uh, definitely obviously started with full truckload, uh, intermodal, intermodal being the core uh, intermodal providers, but also bringing in the assets into the mix. Uh, think about LTL. LTL is definitely ahead of the game in terms of you know instant pricing per se. Volume LTL partial partial is a completely underserved mode uh, that falls uh, most similarly to to volume LTL. But uh, there's a massive network and it's a very emerging uh, mode of transportation that's completely unsophisticated from uh, pricing algorithms. And so none of these tools offer any of those cap- that capability. Uh, so you know from our perspective. Uh, massive opportunity to reach the shipper from very small to very large, uh, leverage the integrations and the platform we have to connect instantaneously, but really bring all of these different options into the into place. And Zach, shippers don't cube out trailers, right? But they don't know how do I effectively do this, right? And uh, to, to manually try to go and find to these different, uh, you know, corners of the the transportation market, it's inefficient, it's ineffective, it doesn't solve the problems they need. So it has to be all brought into one, but it has to be accessible and it has to be accessible to when they need it. Uh, and it's, you know, the, the days of hiring a 4PL uh, to do this extremely expensive uh, network network analysis optimization when you can do it for free, right? And you can do it within the confines of your native system that you operate in um, that's where we see a ton of benefit. Uh, and by the way, if we can consolidate and you ship fewer ship fewer fewer truckloads, if you can more effectively optimize with other shippers' freight, uh, that's a lot less uh, truckloads moved. That's a lot uh, fewer carbon emissions. It helps you hit your sustainability goals, uh, and it saves you money. So uh, I think the immediate the, the impacts are real. The impacts are immediate. Uh, I think you see it from absolutely bottom bottom uh, the bottom line. Um, but the other piece that uh, I think is missing from this, you know, and I think we see digitization sometimes is like removing all the people and everything, but there's a huge value creation opportunity here. Uh, and if shippers could open up more capacity to their network uh, from these different modes, that's, that's a win for everyone. Yeah, I think you're making a real strong point there with the LTL side. I came from LTL myself, so it's almost like a second nature for them to find the most efficient way to move freight, you know, and cube out trailers at that. So what you're talking about from a technological standpoint is is fascinating because you're talking about allowing a lot of disparate shippers with different, you know, volumes and different needs and being able to effectively combine their, you know, their freight demand into a more effective way of moving it across the country. And that's, I mean, that's essentially at the root of what LTL is, is a consolidation effort, but it's more than that from a, from the aspect that you're talking about it. Uh, you're talking about being able to mix and match truckload with LTL, with intermodal, and combine all of this excess capacity that is essentially wasted, um, you know, sitting out there in the environment right now. Like you said, we got over 25% tender rejection rates for at least seven, eight months. Uh, of the year, and how much of those tr- how many of those truckloads had a lot of space on on those trailers, you know, and, and finding where these opportunities are, uh, you know, again being so fragmented in the space is going to be essential, uh, you know, moving forward, uh, especially as the driver shortage persists. Um, 
you know, I, I don't think it's going to get that much easier to hire drivers. I think some of this will uh, will ease as we get later into the year as some of that stimulus money starts to run a little bit more thin. But still, you know, there's not, you know, there's not this growing, uh, you know, pool of resources for drivers out there. That's not going to get better more than likely. So when the market does settle and then starts to get more volatile again, you know, as we're, we've seen over the past three years, um, we're going to need to find some way to sustain capacity. And I think what you're talking about is really, uh, really impactful there in the way that you can use te technology. And it's not going to remove the need for human capital by any means. I've, I've always thought about it in terms of every job I've been into, I've tried to automate myself <laughs> in some form or fashion, and I've only gotten busier. Uh, so automation does not necessarily remove the human element from the equation. It only allows you to be more effective uh, and not spend your time on things that are repetitive. And that's, you know, I, I'm sure that you've seen a lot of this uh, from your end. And, you know, what are, what are some of the, the changes that you've seen in your shipper community and, and your experience in the last year? Yeah, I think you hit a really good point there that we, we try to continue to hit a home on because uh, there's we get questions of, well, uh, you guys are a digital company. Why do you need people? Um, well, yeah, this business, people are important in this business, but people shouldn't necessarily be uh, be used to do manual quotes and to run over and ask, ask the ops guys what we can do and what we can't do. Uh, these people, our team, our very talented team uh, should be actually having complex conversations about how do we bring this? How do you how do you affect actually uh, create uh, solutions for your supply chain? Really do that. Right. Uh, and it allows us to do that because we can automate a lot of these processes that just don't need to be um, don't need to be done by by the human element. Um, but in terms of you know the question of what are what have shippers done to navigate through uh, the challenging uh, marketplace that we've seen, and, and uh, we all know you've seen tender rejections uh, where they're at. So routing guides very much vulnerable in 2020. Uh, that's continued into this year. It's wild, right? As contract rates reset. Uh, we saw no movement in terms of reject rejections actually increased after the polar vortex, uh, only continuing to see that strain. So definitely supply chains built on, uh, you know, more lean philosophy with lesser uh, considerations for risk management now is kind of pivoting. And so you see this building up of uh, inventories and really trying to reevaluate how do we uh, mitigate the disruption that this type of uh, this type of event uh, that's 14 months in the making. Um, so, you know, we saw definitely mini bids RFPs, right? How do you get short term capacity at higher rates? Uh, very ineffective. It's effective in a, as a short term kind of stopgap, uh, not an effective long term strategy. Uh, it just creates a lot more work to the whole process. And uh, we don't think that's an effective strategy, but definitely our bread and butter is, is the integrations. There's tons of power there. Uh, but the other, the other piece is others are kind of connecting in is integration isn't consistent across the board. Uh, just because you integrate into a TMS doesn't mean you're, you're bearing the fruits of that integration, right? And I think we see a lot of plug and hope and expect, you know, think something's going to come from it. There's a lot of work that has to go on beyond that to really be able to, to manage effectively uh, and create value and maximize the, the, uh, the ROI for that, that integration. Uh, but shippers that are actually doing it selectively um, and bringing in instant pricing into the routing guides to create more stability within the routing guide is, is impactful. Uh, and and it's, a, it's an effective long-term strategy. Uh, but the other side of this is uh, committed, you know, committed capacity is important, right? So we believe absolutely there's there's a need for uh, creating, uh, you know, more risk mitigation in the routing guides, but also 
in the the partnerships with your providers, right? And uh, you know, I think what came back into the fold was uh, uh, cost plus. We saw um, you know it benchmarks, industry benchmark, uh, which we also don't think. I think cost plus is there's no accountability to how well you're buying. Uh, industry, you know, benchmarks are just dependent on the benchmark itself. Is it accurate? Is it lagging? Uh, so more more creative solutions uh, with shippers using their data, not someone else's data, uh, and actually incentive and incentives for both uh, to lock in that contract to capacity. That's important for them as well, right? I think it's naive to think that uh, everything is now going to flow through. You know what we think of as uh, more of the spot market or uh, routing guide plus, but uh, committed capacity is important. Partnerships are important. Uh, it's the design of those that we're we're having really good conversations now um, that are taking cost plus to a whole new level, um, but creates more, uh, again, more protection uh, that they're going to have that capacity and it's, it's going to stick in their supply chain uh, that they can predict and they can forecast against. Yeah. And obviously that's the name of the game is making sure that you stick to where you forecasted in your budgets. Uh, you know, and that's, that's the hard part, especially when you're seeing one out of every four loads getting, getting turned down and you're bouncing down your provider lists. Uh, so do you think this dynamic pricing, uh, situation, do you think that's the way to go? You talked about many bids really being ineffective in the long run. And I, I tend to agree with that. That's more, that's more of a reactionary thing that you've already kind of lost, <laughs> you know, you've kind of lost control, uh, in that situation and you're just trying to grab some of it back. So how would somebody, you know, potentially set up this dynamic pricing and, and how do they how do they know that that's necessarily going to be something that keeps their their costs within a reasonable amount of uh, boundary? Because of rates at rate transparency, Zach. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's it's rate transparency uh, using a, a data point that's more relevant to them. It's it's using their data. Right. It's using their historical data, their projected data, um, cost projections. And it's a it's a true collaboration of sense of sorts. It's not using someone else's, right? Whether it's a benchmark or how well I'm going to buy a truck and I'm just going to charge you on top of that. That's not, that doesn't work, right? Why, why is that interesting? That's just more of a, a desperation move, right? It, it has to be a more collaborative thing uh, that we're doing. The, we're, we're basing it off of them and our incentives in terms of how, what, how effectively we can connect to the truck. Uh, is going to bear the fruits of what that partnership is going to be. But that provides uh, resilience. It provides value for both sides, protection for both sides. Uh, what we, we truly, we see a very strong response to these discussions, but um, the, what 2020 brought in terms of routing guide deterioration, what 2021 is bringing uh, is the acceleration of the, uh, in, in terms of the movement towards uh, more of this, these reliable contract conversations um, that shippers are absolutely eager to adopt. Uh, so ultimately, the silver lining of this is there will be change, right? And hopefully, that change is is much more accelerated uh, than if you went through, you know, a, a year like 2019 that there wasn't much in, in incentive to do that because they had all the control. There was ample capacity. Uh, so the silver lining here is we're seeing change, and it's meaningful change. Uh, that's that's creates value for everyone, right? And that's a it's a long term sustainable solution as we're talking about. Yeah, I think you make a, probably one of your best points yet is that even though we had kind of a rough patch there uh, over the last year and a half, it's really probably accelerated the growth and the resilience of the transportation market overall. I mean, we've we've seen a lot of technology come online. Uh, we've seen massive improvements uh, in in this effort to create more sustainable environment and. 
I, I think that's a good thing overall in the long run. We might have gone through a little bit of pain uh, to get to this point, but I think uh, that's a well said point. Um, well, Jim, thank you so much uh, for talking with me today. Uh, and thank you uh, for watching. And Jim, where can uh, people find out more about what you do at LoadSmart? Yeah, definitely. Please reach out to reach out to, to myself uh, on uh, on Twitter, on uh, via email. Reach out to check out LoadSmart.com. Um, but we'd love to initiate more of these discussions and uh, see where we can we can help the, the broader community, whether it's a carrier, broker, or, or shipper. So, uh, Zach, thanks so much for having me. This is great. No, thank you so much, Jim. And thanks for watching. And stay tuned for more FreightWave Live at Home.